Welcome to Sideline Judgment. My name is Sergio. My name is Tyler. And today, Tyler, we are joined by friend of the pod, very, very, very special guest, our dear friend, Mr. Michael Phillips. How you doing, Michael? Man, it's great to be back on with y'all, man. This is such like a nice, bright spot of my day this whole week to come on with y'all because this is my favorite pod thing that I get to do. It's one of my favorite things. So thanks again for uh, having me back on. Always, man. Always love to have you on. You know your loves here. Yes, Always sir. loved. You can also hear Michael at 1010XL in Jacksonville, Florida. That's 92.5 FM. But for today, he is a member of Sideline Judgment. He always is, but he's on the air today. You guys know what I mean. We're just going to get right to some ball, Tyler and Michael. We'll start off. There's some postponements. Purdue and Wisconsin. That game has been, I believe, canceled. canceled. That is canceled. now the second game Wisconsin has missed. If they miss one more, they are not eligible to play in the Big Ten Championship. Big, That's big, crazy. big news there, guys. That's, That's wild. wild. It's like, who's going to foresee this being an issue? <laughs> yeah, um, right. I don't think they wanted to play. I don't think Wisconsin necessarily really wants to play at this point. Really? I really don't. It. I watched Barry Alvarez talk, and he just he seems so just tired from dealing with just all of it. And there was the vote in the Big Ten, and uh, – a few schools didn't want to be in it. And I don't think they were in that initial vote that came out, but I don't think they want to play right now. I, I think they're ready to kind of just, they know that they're not going to win anything in the big 10. So it's kind of like, what's the point? Yeah. I, I mean, I could see it. I, I have a belief that the players themselves want they, to play yeah, because they want to play. Oh yeah. So I, so I think maybe it's like administration as a whole, maybe mm-hmm. even Barry Alvarez. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but mm-hmm. you gotta think them trying to rush, rush back, back to playing Schedule without any bye weeks or precautions for COVID nineteen. They literally were... just to get Ohio State into the playoff. <laughs> no one can ever tell me that this this schedule is about trying to play a season. That no, that like this has nothing to do Dude. with that. This is straight up just to get Ohio State into the Big Ten. And you knew that week one when they scheduled Nebraska, who had been all over every bit of news leading yeah. up to the start of the season in like uh, almost like a negative way. Uh, mm-hmm. And so they're like, all right, we'll give you Ohio State week one. <laughs> they said, oh, you yeah. want to complain? Yeah. Bet. Here you go. And, and here's the, the horseshoe. The funny thing is that Wisconsin was supposed to be week two. Yeah. Um, by the way, I'm I've sure. never seen a fan base uh, so eager to, to get run over for 300 yards <laughs> and, lose, and lose to to a hated rival as uh, Nebraska was. Yeah. Nebraska but, fans never, ever change. I can't wait to see – Ohio State take on Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship game. Um, yeah, other games, yeah, there we go. <laughs> other games that have been moved, FIU and UTEP, and then Louisville and Virginia will also not be played. That Louisville-Virginia game was moved to Dece- uh, December, mm-hmm. and so that game will be played at a later date. Um, but, gentlemen, it, there's only one game that is near and dear to our hearts this weekend. It is a game that is played in both your hometowns. Uh, it's Florida-Georgia. It's a 3.30 kickoff. It's the game of the week. 
Um, Michael, I want to start with you. What do you need to see from the Florida Gators so that by 7.30, 8 o'clock Saturday night, we walk away top top of the the SEC East? Well, there's a few different things, but I think number one is this Florida offensive line has to get a push and they have to get the ground game going. That's my number one thing on both sides of the ball. This is a game that's always won in the trenches. No matter how many great quarterbacks, great receivers, great DBs, this game is always won in the trenches, in my opinion. So if, and and Georgia's, they've dominated the trenches the past three years. And that's why they've been three and oh in the past three years, even though they've all been top 10 matchups. Um, So yeah, it's gotta be the trenches. I think more importantly than the uh, Florida D line versus Georgia O line matchup, I think the Florida O line has to get a push or else, you know, this Georgia defense can key off them. I know they're missing some guys after a physical game against Kentucky, but still, they, they are so talented. They're very good. They're going to miss Richard LeCount, though. And we can get mm-hmm. into that uh, in a bit. But, like, yeah, I, I think it's definitely the, the trenches. Yeah, yeah and, and I think the, the offensive, offensive line is one of those position groups that was really hit by COVID hard. And one of the reasons our games got moved around was because we just couldn't field an offensive line, let alone our best guys. You know what I mean? Um, Tyler, what else about the offense do you think needs to be clicking for us to win? In a word, everything, I think. The the offense needs to work. (laughs) Florida's built their identities this season, and they've leaned into it. And I think simplifying – we'll get into it later, but simplifying Florida's – Florida simplifying their defense has helped them a lot. The offense – I mean, we joked about it. They had what felt like a pedestrian performance and scored 41 points. Like, yeah. Um, this offense can score. The only thing is that and we've seen Georgia's defense. Basically, I don't want to say get exposed because this is what made defense. But it's like have problems with Alabama's offense. But Alabama, while it does look similar, like same type, kind of, type of quarterback, very talented receivers, good offensive scheme. Alabama attacks the field differently than Florida. Alabama is way more vertical, and they've got the players to do it. Florida, they, they kind of do things a little differently. They're a little bit more, I think, in my opinion, holistic with the areas of the field that they attack. They don't go as vertical as often. They don't really have the guys to match that type of but, area. But there's the ability to do that once in a while, right? Yeah. No, it's, it's not like they can't do it, but it's not. Alabama's offense is built off of a deep, the deep pass, in my opinion. They stretch the field really well, and they do it consistently that way you don't know exactly when the shot's coming they usually always have somebody going uh, at least 20 yards downfield so i think the keys to this game are really from the offensive floor's offensive side of the ball it's kind of weird but it's probably the two best players um Kadarius Tony and Kyle Pitts like yeah Kyle, not having Richard LeCount is going to help Kyle Pitts get open so much because you know Kirby Smart's going to bracket him you know Kirby Smart's like no no Coppett's going to get his every once in a while, but we're he not letting him say that. He, he, wants, he wants the Gators to win. He, he doesn't want Kyle Pitts to beat Georgia. He wants the Florida offense as a whole to beat Georgia. Yeah. And I think a big part of this, we don't, we, we don't uh, keep recalling, is that Kadarius Tony, while he technically played in this game last year, was still injured at the time. Yeah. It was his first game back. It was not a factor. And now this year he's better. He's developing into a wide receiver. He gets opening probably anybody. Mm-hmm. That, that is going to be a huge part because that's, that's that whole Gary's Tony's the whole intermediate to short offense. Yeah, yeah. There, there are other, other players, players that he can get open anywhere. He creates offense. And Calcas is playing at a great level, but I think you need Gary's Tony to get open and you need Calcas to win. Those are the big ones. 
the other, the other thing, thing, you need to be physical, physical like, like Michael said. said you need to run the ball. ball. And it's, it's, it's weird, weird, but Florida's offense, actually, they need to perform. perform. They, they, I, I think you, Florida, Florida can't, can't win this game, game if they don't score more than 27 points, points, in my opinion. Okay. So, so, so the, the offense needs to have a day similar to the offensive production that we've seen throughout all the games that we've played this year. Now, historically, historically, Dan Mullen has problems with Kirby Smart defenses. Yeah. Okay. And, and there's a lot of factors that go into that. But Kirby, a lot, a lot of it is talent. But Kirby, both at his time at Alabama and both at his time at Georgia, typically handles Dan Mullen's offense pretty well. I think both teams not having a bye week right before the game is going to help Florida in that case. Mm-hmm. But Dan Mullen needs to score points. Which is what he's good at, but he needs to score points. So, so we've talked a lot about Kyle Pitts, Darius Tony, spreading the field. What, what about, about the running game? game? I know we mentioned the offensive line needs to be very stout and needs to be able to produce and win in the trenches, but, I mean, how much of an impact do you expect the running game to have versus what you hope the running game to have? Michael, what do you think? Ooh, so, like, realistic expectations versus what I think they need to win, that's like... Yeah. Yeah, I, I think... Realistic expectations is 115 yards as a group, whether it's like I could see something like they really mix it up with Damian Pierce and Naquan Wright and Malik Davis, who's finally gotten back to what we thought he you know, was going to be, man. He's been oh my boy. He he it looks it just only like took, he did. It only that. took a major ACL yeah. injury for him to. <laughs> uh, he's fi- he finally looks like he's really getting a great grasp of the speed of the yeah. game and, and really hitting some good you know some good pop plays but I think as a group they have to realistically get to at least 150 to 120 yards and a couple touchdowns but mm-hmm. I want to see 25 carries as a group I want to see 20 carries as a group you know this offense is is built through the air and Dan Mullen has always been a guy that just plays to the strength last year we saw it they couldn't run the ball at all so they were throwing it 40 50 you know, sometimes even more times a game. So, yeah. But this this running game has been better. It's been better this year. And Damian Pierce yeah. is really coming into his own. And Naquan Wright is, you know, kind of shot out of a cannon. We, we haven't seen anything from him leading up to this point. He's been good in spring, but, you know, I mean, nothing to really, you know, get too high on. But he's been great. Um, and yeah. obviously, Davis coming back is great. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be important. I think they can get to that point. You know, my hope is they can get over 160 yards and at least 100 yards with one individual guy, say Pierce or Davis or whatever, and just control everything through that because that sets up the pass better than anything. Yeah, Yeah. and And I think more than setting up the pass, Michael, Michael, I think it keeps our defense off the field. Exactly. If we can control the ball and we can score a ton of points and we can capitalize on each possession we have, I'm perfectly fine with winning this game 20, 31 to 28 yeah. if we only get five possessions. You know what I mean? Like, I'm perfectly fine with, with doing that. Uh, speaking of the defense, Tyler, we are going to be missing defensive end Zachary Carter and linebacker Antoine Powell. They are suspended for the first half of this game as a result of the Missouri halftime interaction, I want to say. A little, little, little trick-or-treat they had on Halloween, dare I say. Um, well, Michael, cool. I know you have feelings about this. Uh, I'm just going to ISO. Yeah, we, we worked through our feelings about this, Michael. Yep. Yeah. Yours. Yours. I'm Yours. still Yours. so pissed. I'm, I'm so angry. Like, okay, I did not play high school football hardly at all. I was a backup, but 
we had one rule that it was known then. It was known in Pop Warner. It's known in the game of football. It's just how it is. There's unwritten, there's written rules. There's unwritten rules. You take a cheap shot at the quarterback, you're going to have hell to pay from the offensive line. That's how it is. The offensive, yes. offensive line have done that for literally a century now. It's just how the game is played. And if the ref does not throw the flag for a clear, late, illegal hit, um, and the offensive line looks around and is like, there's no flag. All right, we're gonna we're gonna penalize them ourselves. That's how that's usually how it goes. So mm-hmm. I had no problem with what Florida's team did. I had you know defending their guy, obviously. And when I w- I was sitting there watching it, Missouri's bench was the first one that kind of came onto the field first. So right. they came on after it was it was kind of isolated in the middle of the field between the offensive line and the defensive line, and everyone around there they were kind of pushing and shoving but that happens you know we see that every once in a while it's no problem yeah, yeah. missouri's bench started to come out and dan mullen basically took a beeline to the refs to scream about not getting the flag and that kind of i don't know i guess it incited florida's bench because they saw missouri's bench come out and so it, then it became a, a thing and it escalated i think, I, I think, I think it, was it was an energy thing, thing right it Where really was goes yeah. out Mullen's not going after the players, guys. Like, Mullen's not going after the Missouri players. He's going after the refs saying you need to throw a flag. And in that moment, right, the, the camera angle that we see is the first one that we're able to, to catch is Mullen taking a beeline to midfield to talk to the refs. But like you said, Michael, by then, the Missouri players were already jawing over at the Florida players that were trying to say something about, hey, yo, you can't hit the guy. You know, you can't lay hit my quarterback. And then the whole brouhaha starts and blah, 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 blah. Um, a couple of coaches got dropped too. That was yesterday. yeah, they did. Yeah. Um, I do want to say there were a lot more suspensions for uh, first half suspensions for Missouri. So it, we only walked away with two players suspended, and Dan Mullen was given a twenty five thousand dollar fine. Um, so Petty, listen, if if it takes twenty five thousand dollars for this season to turn around and for us to get nasty and aggressive. By that, all means, let's start a GoFundMe to to help out Mullen. <laughs> the, the fine, I'm cool with the fine. Lane Kiffin got Me fined too. twenty the same amount for tweeting for retweeting something, and so King. yeah, I that's that's the bar. Um, so King, I, I, King, I, I, get it. King. <laughs> I get it. Uh, um, all right. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, Tyler, what's the defense need to do? How do we contain this? Dare I say, right. what what kind of appeals process do we need to file against the law offices of Stetson Bennett the fourth? Third down. Um, <laughs> well said. I mean, it's, it's not. That's the entire reason for the loss last year. Third down. Yes. Couldn't get off the field. Um, they were like seventy percent. No, go ahead. They hit like seventy percent or something ridiculous last year. Yeah. No disrespect to the law offices of Stetson Bennett the fourth. Um, but this Georgia offense this year is just the worst version of exactly what it was last year. Because the one thing they at least had last year, besides a good running game like this year, is that Jake Fromm was a good college quarterback. Yes. And I'm not convinced Stetson Bennett is a good college quarterback. The law offices of Stetson Bennett the fourth. law offices of Stetson Bennett the fourth. We refer to him by his full name here, Michael. Okay. The other thing about the law offices of Stetson Bennett the fourth is that while he's about the same height as Jake Fromm was, um, he's not Jake Fromm. Well, that too. It seems like he has a weaker it's a weak, arm. It's a weird. He's a weaker, he's a weaker arm. arm. He gets more passes batted down the line. That, that might be. Fine. That's a big but a big thing, thing about being a shorter quarterback is that you have to adjust how you throw the ball, your windows. You, you can't just fire over your offensive lineman. You have to know like 
the windows, the windows in between, between uh, that are open. Russell, Russell Wilson's amazing at this. Yeah. Um, um, Drew Brees is amazing at no, this. Russell Wilson has talked about how he literally at one point during the game was not seeing over the offensive line. Literally, as they're moving, that's the only sight that he has is like between guys. And he was converting, but it was just like, okay, I see this guy. He's open, like literally in between the guard and the center or something like that. It was like, okay, that's where I, that's how I see. Yeah. yeah. And, and that, that leads to, if you don't adjust, adjust to that, that leads to batted down balls. You saw in the Kentucky game, that happened all the time. The time. Yeah. Uh, I want to bring up a stat that I just saw. It was uh, Stetson Bennett's last two games. He is 27 the losses of Stetson Bennett for. Um, I had faith. I had faith you were going to correct yourself. That's why I didn't say anything. Uh, <laughs> in, in, in the law office of Stetson Bennett, the fourth last two games, twenty-seven for fifty-three, four hundred yards, two touchdowns, five interceptions. And the Georgia offense has scored fourteen points in the last six quarters. Pause. Can I pause? Can I pause? Can I pause you? They've scored fourteen points in six quarters. Basically, yeah, they scored 14 points in the Kentucky game, and in the game previous, uh, they scored. Um, man, Todd Grantham, Todd Grantham, I swear, man, if you, Todd, oh, oh my gosh. Here's the thing: they Florida can take basically the same game plan they used last year and apply it to this game, in the sense of like stop the run, stop the run, stop the run, stop the run. The passing attack is not good enough to beat you on its own, except for that didn't work last year because Jake Fromm had a, his hero college game, which. Right. All respect to. He's capable of doing that. I haven't seen anything out of Sets at Lobs' Sets and Bennett the fourth to indicate that that's coming. But I think you can apply the same game plan. The only problem is that Florida's defense isn't as good this year. But I liked what I saw against Missouri. Simplification. Yes. And that and that goes along with what I was going to ask you, Michael, where if, if we're going to just apply the same game plan as last year, one thing that went wrong was the amount of third down blitzes that we got exposed on. With a younger defense, with a worse version of the Georgia offense and a downgrade from Jake Fromm to the law offices of Stetson Bennett IV, do, do you anticipate – I anticipate a lot of zone because we're going to try to stop the run, but do you anticipate a lot of third and Grantham as has been come to be known as where it's, an, it's a big blitz to try to pressure the quarterback on a third down where they have to convert 8, 9, 10 yards? Do you anticipate that or are we going to kind of – Play back and say, no, sets and bent, off, sets and the fourth. You have to beat us, and we're going to force you to make those actual throws rather than pressuring you and disrupting you. So that's a great question. I I think it's going to be similar to how it has been for the most part, but there's going to be instances, and I have my fingers crossed that they finally figured some things out against Missouri. That defense. Looked almost night and day different. We yeah, the, we talked about that on the pod last week, where this was a different team. This was a different defense um, compared to what we've seen throughout the season, which is a good sign. Yeah. Um, now going up against Georgia's offensive line, those are some really good guys. So some dudes. Yeah, they are some dudes. <laughs> those are some big Georgia boys. Yeah, I'll tell you that much. And so they they're they're pretty good set of attorneys for the law offices of uh, Stetson Bennett the fourth. Um, yes. <laughs> well done, Michael. And, well done. Yeah, and so bringing pressure may not do a ton or be as effective against this group, and so if that's the case, then I would hope that they do play a little bit more coverage. Now, playing zone, playing man at times, you know, by themselves is good, and I want them to mix it up. But I really want to see a lot of combinations of zones over the top with the safeties and place a man underneath because 
this is an offense that doesn't really click. It, it's not great. It's, it's really not even that good. So what they need to do is basically force Stetson to beat them, but guarantee that they don't allow a big shot to somebody that, you know, on a busted coverage or something like that. All they have to do is just play safe, basically, and keep everything, you know, in front of them and yeah. mix up some stuff. And I think they'll be fine because this contain, offense really contain, isn't contain. that great. Contain, contain, contain. Yeah, yeah. Well, well said. said. What about what about you? Um, what about you, Tyler? What do you what do you think about the game overall? I think this is. I think we said all we can say. How do you think the game is going to go, Tyler? I okay. It's really hard for me to pull my emotions out of this. Not as a Florida fan necessarily, more as a Jacksonville native. Um, okay. I was gonna say it's very difficult for the three of us, man. Like, <laughs> you ain't alone here. This is, not, this is not an outstanding situation. I'm just, I'm just saying what we're all feeling right now. Right. Right. Um, I think this sets up as if, if, if not now, when moment for Dan Mullen. Yeah. Like he has to have this game. Georgia's. We thought last year. I thought last year was probably the worst that Georgia was gonna look coming into that game. This year they look worse. They did. Um, they're their worst drop, their worst team in the last year. We knew that, but they're not, but they're not playing well. And on top, like I, I mentioned it briefly, I think both teams having to play week four, I think that benefits Florida. Because, like, say what you will about Kirby Smart, we like, I think Dan Mills is probably a better developer, offensive mind, Kirby Smart is a hell of a defensive mind, and in my opinion, he's a hell of a game planner. His teams make good game plans. Mm-hmm. His in-game coaching, coaching decisions and timeout and clock management and, coach coach and, and like adjustments aren't always, always there. But the thing is, they have a bye week every year to figure themselves out and game plan with Georgia. And Kirby Smart played this rivalry. He gets the Steve Spurrier of, of Georgia, Georgia in a sense. Yeah. In the sense that he never he didn't beat Florida when he was a player. So he, but he gets this rivalry. He wants to win this game. Yeah. So I think not. I think both teams not having a bye week helps the fact that. I think it helps Florida somehow. I could be completely wrong about this. But I think it helps, but I just, I cannot, it's going to be a close game. I just cannot bring myself to believe that Florida can run away with this in any way. I think because Georgia just gets this, both teams get this rivalry, but Florida, despite having an offense that's clicking on all cylinders, Georgia's defense is ailing. And Florida's defense is figuring themselves out to a Georgia offense that is not. All those sensible signs point towards a Florida victory. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like, I'm... Listen, we're all going to be unsure. We're all unsure. We're all uncomfortable. But I just wanted to hear. You're leaning Florida at the very least. My mind is leaning Florida. My emotions are leaning Georgia. Does that make sense? Can I ask you to flip that? No, no, like my head. No, in my head, Uh sensibly, intellectually, I'm like Florida is at a better point. They're more equal footing. It is college football. Offense is more important than defense. Like everything is leading intellectually towards Florida coming out in this game. But just I've been let down so many times. This is the Gator. This is the Gator fan anxiety. It's playing out like last season. It kind of is. I get you. What about you, Michael? So this is a, this is a rivalry of runs. It's never you know, like a it never goes so back true. and That's forth like year in year out. Like Florida State's had you know with Florida State they've had times like that. In you know in the nineties with Tennessee there was a lot of you know that even though Spurrier mainly had uh, Tennessee's number two, um, mm-hmm. he had just about everybody's number. 
But, you know, th- there are rivalries that they have. LSU is a perfect example that it goes back and back, forth. Back and forth. This oh, has hell. never been that. And so I just thought of this. This is when, you know, some guys are just good against either one and some guys just aren't. And it's totally random. Like, Spurrier as a player was not good against Georgia. We just mentioned Kirby Smart as a player was not good against Florida. Matt Stafford was terrible against Florida. But Jake Fromm was amazing. Like, just randomly. And obviously, Matt Stafford's the better player. But just, you know, some guys, they have whatever they have that gets them through this game. Tebow was great against, you know, Georgia. You know, and so it's always been a thing of runs. Um, And now I'm kind of curious because it's not Jake Fromm anymore, finally. It's not Jake Fromm. It's, it's the law Jake offices of Stetson been in the fourth. Like, yes, it's, he was. Yeah. I agree, Tyler. Um, and so I am I am very hopeful that this turns at least this weekend because, you know, I, I'm not a huge fan of, like, the if not now win. Sometimes you do, like, Georgia's out-recruited, you know, Florida, not by a ton, but they've out-recruited. They have just better players. If yeah. – if, I had to, you know, pick between the better roster. I'm taking Georgia's overall. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Their roster, yeah. even the guys that are hurt, um, th- that's a better overall roster when everyone's healthy than Florida's is. So I do think Dan Mullen has the edge this week. I, I like what you mentioned, Tyler, about um, not having the bye week. I think that does help Florida more um, because they, they're really kind of in rhythm and Georgia's out of rhythm. So a bye week really helps kind of. You know, yeah, I was usually when that's centered around yourself. Yeah, for the first half, half. And, and, and then you start game planning. They don't have time to do that. Exactly. Florida went into their three week break off on a loss, spent the entire time game planning how they were going to fix themselves. Yeah. Now they didn't get to practice for a lot of it. But, yeah. You know, Mullen will never say this, but I can, I would bet the house that they spent at least a quarter of their time already on Georgia through that break. Guys, Guys, I have four, four words for you. Oh, oh boy. Kyle, Kyle Trask, Trask, Heisman, moment. That'd be good. Uh, this would be the moment. This would be. be. This is what I'm telling you. In order for the Gators to walk out of here, I think Trask needs to have a performance at the level where people can say, whoa, okay, we got to start taking Trask a little bit seriously because we had two weeks off, nobody got to see us, blah, blah, blah. I feel like this is a moment where Trask can take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Gentlemen, I also want to remind you, on the defensive side of the ball, we have one Brenton Cox Jr. and one Gravon Dexter. That's a good Both point. former five-stars. And Kyrie Campbell's back. Kyrie Campbell's back. But prior to... Yeah. Both of them were five-stars that went to Georgia and then transferred to Florida. Gravon Dexter signed with Florida. Gravon Dexter signed... Oh, yeah, he committed and then... And, and then signed, but Brent Cox Jordan was, was one of the transfers. He was yeah, transfer. right. But Brent Cox straight up like was a starter at Georgia. Was a starter as, as a true freshman, Florida, which you never see happen. I would expect these two to have monster games along with Campbell, who we talked about last episode, Tyler, about how important he is on the defensive side of the ball for the Gators. Um, that's how I feel right now. Um, I'm I'm a little bit along the lines of I think my heart and my emo- and my head are aligned here. I think, I think it's Florida, but I think it's Florida, Florida close. close. It's, it's a one-possession one game. game. It comes down, down to the end. I need Trask-Heisman moment. If I had to put a score on it, you guys don't have to if you don't want to. Mm-hmm. I would put it like 31-24 with a 24-24 on the final drive and 
maybe a trash to Pitts or a trash to Tony or a Malik Davis wheel route or something like that. You know what I mean? Like that's that's what Malik Davis wheel routes are. They're really good. They're so nice. So good. So all right, guys, that's that's where we're at. Um. Wow. Okay, we just spent thirty minutes talking about the Gator game, but that's okay. That's okay. This is this is one of probably one of if not one of the the most nationally important games this week. I think there's one other that probably right. There's one other that we'll talk about. This is what we can kind of spend some time on this because like this is an important game now for Florida and Georgia fans for the makeup of what the SEC is, especially when you look at the rest of Florida's schedule. Yeah. Guys, this is this is a playoff game. Yes, this is, this a, playoff is a playoff. Game. This is a, this is a regular season playoff game. Yeah, for Florida and Georgia. So, all right, let's let's talk about those other games then quickly. Uh, we got about half as much time to talk about those as we did the game. Yeah, <laughs> who cares? Who cares? Um, we're not biased, but go Gators, right, guys? Um, yes, sir. Our score to date: Tyler has thirty-three points. I have twenty-nine points. Michael, you are going to be given the honors. Of yep. being the first guest to completely pick five wide and two point, so you will also have a say in these football games. All right, uh, let's go ahead and talk, uh, Tyler. I think because our esteemed guests, our wonderful friend of the pod, Michael, is here, I think he should pick first on each game. Tyler, what do you think? I agree. I agree. Excellent. All right, and then we'll go back to our regular order. So, um, Tyler, you will be picking second on the first game, and then we'll flip back and forth second and third. Okay. Starting us off. On a Friday night, in a game that I will be begging my girlfriend Alexa to let me watch tomorrow night. I just looked back. She's actually taking a nap. I thought she was awake. Um, I'm going to have to do that again later on, gentlemen. Um, the number nine ranked, ranked BYU Cougars. Are they Cougars? Yes, Cougars. Cougars. There we go. Against the number 21 ranked Boise State Broncos. That is a 945 kickoff on FS1 Friday night game. Michael, who you got and why? You know, that's a tough one because I think BYU is probably going to dominate that game. Their their mm-hmm. passing attack is incredible. Um, their quarterback is phenomenal. He's going to – he can almost single-handedly win this game, I think, because Boise State, while good, um, as in – I don't think they've been as good as necessarily the 21st-ranked team in the country. So I, I actually think that BYU is going to – gonna kind of pull away from them i think it's gonna be a like a 20 point win um mm-hmm. but yeah so i'm going byu for sure um even though my guy riley smith is now a tight end at a uh, boise state um i gotta i gotta go the cougars tyler what about you um conventional my conventional thoughts would tell me that byu is gonna run away with this game and this is their, this is their moment to stand for their legit team uh-huh. And while I am picking BYU, BYU to win, I just want to say, say it just came out today. Boise State's wearing black uniforms. I saw that. It looked nice. So, it's going to equalize. This will be a good game, I think, okay. because I think BYU is a way better team. All black uniforms, the great the great equalizer in college football? Yeah. Show me the lie. I'm going to take BYU as well. Zach Wilson for Heisman. Gentlemen, four words. Zach Wilson. Heisman moment. There you go. <laughs> I, I said it last week. He's, he's my legit Heisman. Heisman. Like he, Michael, he's my legit Heisman pick for Heisman. This, this is going to be a Christian McCaffrey situation, situation where Zach, Zach Wilson is going to just look flawless throughout the whole season. season. People forget that this isn't the this isn't who is the best NFL prospect. This is who had the best season 
in college football this year. And if you look at me in the eye sockets and you say to me that Zach Wilson isn't at least in the top three of that conversation, you're out of your mind and you don't really watch college football. That's how I feel. So I think close game. Oh, boy. I, I have a point to be brought up here. Um, I'm glad both of you did not choose Boise State because there is no update on Boise State quarterback Hank Bachmeyer. He did not travel with the team for the game at Air Force. There has been no more news that has come out in terms of will he play this coming Saturday or Friday night. So with that being said, Boise State's without Hank Bachmeyer. We saw how good their quarterback stable is last season when they were rotating in and out. I still think Bachmeyer is the best one in that room. Uh, so I do think going up against the Mormon Menzel, Zach Wilson, um, it's going to be a little bit difficult. So I'm glad all three of us picked BYU. Gentlemen, the next game we will be speaking of, Arizona State against the number 20th ranked USC Trojans. That is a noon kickoff on Big Fox. And uh, just one, one moment, gentlemen. Hey, Big Pac-12, welcome to the chat. Welcome to the season. Bienvenidos. We finally have a full slate of college football. Um, Michael, Arizona State, USC, who do you have? So that's at 12 p.m. Eastern time. That is a 9 local kick. That's a 9 o'clock in the morning local kick. That's insane. That's rough. They don't care about these players. They don't. Name, image, and likeness. Pass it now. Jesus. Well, in situations like this, because... We don't know what these teams are going to look like. We've already seen how, you know, week one and two of, you know, when we got the uh, the ACC, the SEC, all that back, um, the first couple of weeks were weird because teams yeah, hadn't, yeah, hadn't yeah. prepared. Um, and so I think this is going to be a situation where this might be some ugly football and it's going to be awkward and kind of clunky. And in a situ- situation like that, I got to go with the better quarterback. And Keaton Slovis is great. He is great. But this kid at Arizona State uh, – he, he's he's incredible. He's yeah, J.J. So yeah. Yeah. is a stud. Um, and you know what? Tyler, just don't even hesitate. You can put mine next to next to Arizona State as well. Put that S on there on the on the rundown because I am completely agreeing with you, Michael. Um, I think early in the season, we have these preconceived notions that us in the college football world and the voters and everyone – have been instilled with them since birth. Like USC, for some reason, has to start somewhere in the top 25 every year. It's like a, it's like a, like a bright of passage, I guess. Um, and I'm with you. The better quarterback in this situation is um, Jaden Daniels for Arizona State. The better football coach, I think, is Herm Edwards over. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. Over Over Tempe. Over yeah. Over in Tempe. I think he's. I think he's a better coach. Uh, than what's, what's going, going on over there in, in South Carolina, Carolina or South, South Southern, Southern California. Too much SEC. Too much SEC this year, man. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go there as a state. Tyler, what about you? Okay, there's there's legitimately only one factor that is that I'm considering in this game, which is it is a nine o'clock local time kick. What team has a coach that is gonna get them more up for this game? Arizona State with Herm Edwards. Arizona State. I'm taking Arizona State. I'm not. I'm Honest to God, did not consider any other, like, analysis to this. I was just like, who's going to actually want to play at 9 a.m. in the morning? USC under Clay Helton or, or, like, Herm Edwards? Yeah. Herm Edwards, could motivate, Herm Edwards could motivate me to walk from 
Southern California to Tempe, Arizona at two in the morning. He could probably motivate me to do that. I think he's going to get his guys up for a 9 a.m. kick. Definitely. Um, all right, we are in unison, gentlemen, for these first two games. Third game on five wide. The number 23 ranked Michigan Wolverines are heading to Indiana to take on the number 13th ranked Hoosiers. That is a noon kickoff on FS1. Michael, Michigan, Indiana, who do you have? Why do you have them? This is, I think this is the toughest game to pick. I really do. Um, because this is going to go one of two ways. Either Michigan is going to look completely flat and disinterested, basically like they looked last week against Michigan State after they lost to Rutgers, who is good, by the way. Um, oh, who oh, who oh, would have oh, thought? Oh, oh, who oh, would have oh, thought we'd have said good. That? Um, You know what? Greg Schiano for next Tennessee head coach. Just saying. <laughs> um, but uh, so it's going to either Michigan's going to be flat and Indiana's going to uh, be able to control that game and, and probably win, or Michigan's going to have a game like they had, uh, I think, the first week where they come out and their offense looked good. Yeah. And it was really good. Um, and their quarterback, Milton, who's, who's I think, from like Orlando area, um, he's up, yeah, he yeah. went all the way up there. He was solid. Um, and they ran the ball well and they played good defense and all that. Um, it, like, it could, it, I don't think it's going to be close one way or the other. I think either Indiana's going to control it or Michigan's going to dominate. Um, and if I had to, this is a flip of the coin for me. If I had to flip uh, and just pick it, I'm going Michigan. I think their offense is going to get back on track, and I think they're going to kind of hush and slow down this Indiana hype that's been built up that uh, has got them to 13. Hmm. Tyler, what about you? Okay, so um, Indiana has won two games, one against Rutgers, one against Penn State. Um you could argue, I won't, but you could argue they didn't even deserve to win the Penn State game. Um, their their offense has Michael Penix Jr., who I think is a good college quarterback. Agreed. Uh, they're not playing at the level they were last year. I don't know if that's just you know COVID or practices or just not just bad teams go through funks or they they're having new offense coordinators. Kalen DeBoer last year was really good for them. Um, they. Michigan, Michigan is it, 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 it's a situation. situation. It, it, I, 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 I don't even know what to make of the Michigan-Michigan State game. I feel like I should just throw it out. Like, mm-hmm. um, but but I can't because it's one of the only two data points that we have. Like, um, <laughs> yeah. It's 50% of our sample. It's 50% of the sample size. Um, Michigan's problem, they have problems on defense. Yeah, The defense plays well generally, but they have problems covering downfield on defense. Speed. Um Indiana is not the most speedy team, but to be, it's the same reason that I think I, I I'm so in love with Iowa State, and the, and the reason I keep picking them is that like it's this idea early on the season Brock Purdy wasn't playing well, and it was just like he's a good quarterback. We know that though. Eventually, he's gonna start playing better, and that's what's happened. Michael Penix hasn't played super well. I think he's gonna start playing better. I'm going. I'm you know for for for. For the content, I'm going. I'm taking Indiana. Wow. Well. Wow. All right. Having faith. I immediately regret this decision. (laughs) (laughs) Having faith in a college quarterback. Uh, Tyler. Never been. Never burned me before. No. No. Never. Oh, never. No. Tyler. Michael. This is tough for me because I started off leaning Indiana because while we can't throw out, while we want to throw out. Michigan State game for Michigan, we can't. Yeah. Like you said, Mike yeah. Tyler. Um, for me, I have a hard time 
looking at this Indiana team and ignoring the fact that they don't have the best defense. Like, you talked about Michigan having defense problems. That's right. But I, I think Indiana's are just as bad. When you look yeah. at the yeah. amount of points yeah. that were, <laughs> look at you talking yourself back out of it. No, no, the pick no, is in. I, I the pick is I in. It's, I locked it in. The pick is in, Tyler. The pick is I'm in. I'm not a coward. No, you're not. Um, so I think for that reason, I'm going to look. I'm not going to look past it, but I'm definitely going to understand that with a rivalry game, you throw everything out the window. And for that reason, because I like Michigan's young quarterback. Because their offense can do some things, I think I'm going to take Michigan in a high-scoring game because of the way that these two defenses aren't as good. I don't know what the over is, but it's definitely going to be something that I'll take a look at for the napkin. So we'll see how it goes. I'm going to go with Michigan. Tyler, I also need to separate myself from you because I need to make up some ground. So. It, it's true. It is. Um, all right, this this next game is Florida Georgia's only competition for game of the week, and I think you would have to go with this one. It's the number one oh, ranked yeah. Clemson yeah. Tigers taking on the number four ranked Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Which seven thirty four weeks ago I would have told you, nah, you don't have to worry about this game. <laughs> <laughs> it's a seven thirty kick on ABC. It's the Fowler Herbie game. Um, before I get to noted Notre Dame fan Michael Phillips. Uh, I want to mention Trevor Lawrence will not be playing in this football game. He is out due to COVID-19. Again, we hope he recovers. No update on that. We don't know if he'll play next week, but we'll see. But for now, true freshman DJ Tyler, take it away. What he said, he is going to make his first road start in South Bend night game against Notre Dame. I'm done talking. Michael, who do you have and why? Okay, I think I I think that the quarterback situation for Clemson is not as deciding of a factor as some other people might think. Um, with that said, though, I think Notre Dame pulls this off. Ooh. Let's go! That's Ooh, why we bring you on. Yeah. Why is that, Michael? So I I love their quarterback, Ian Book. I really like him, and he's not even—he's not been as good as he can be this year. They've had their issues. They won twelve to seven over Louisville, a Louisville team that had don't remind us a bad Ugh. defense. Um, yeah, and they weren't, had a weren't they weren't they tied at halftime against Florida State? Yeah, yeah, they were. It was like a one possession game. Yeah, um, and they they looked good against Miami, but like that that was kind of it, um, and they lost that game anyway. Uh, but man, this Notre Dame team—they. Uh, dismantled pit they've they've come out and they've actually put it on teams this year like i haven't seen them do in a long time Um, i have noticed that yeah and so uh i think clemson's a they're amazing but their defense is not as good as it was two even two years ago um i think that they've lost a few guys and they had a group like a senior-led group that was really great on defense and now those guys are gone and the new guys are stepping in and they're good, but I don't think they're at that level yet. And so, yeah, I, I think Notre Dame, their their trench work is good. Their receivers are solid. They they don't wow you in any way, but I just think they're an overall really good football team. And because of COVID, this is not going to be a packed house at Notre Dame. And I think that actually helps them. I think that helps 
the coaching. I think it helps them all calm down a little bit and just be able to kind of get through this game. So I think, you know, it's weird to say that, but I, I don't think having a massive home crowd um, is going to be the worst thing for the Fighting Irish. So, yeah, I, I think they're going to pull off this upset. So I'm – am I next? You're next. I'm next. I'm next. next. Um, I go last. All right. So I remember the order this time. I know, right? Finally. One of us has to. So when I look at this game and I look at the way that Clemson played last week with DJ and at quarterback, especially in the second half, I see a team that is plug and play regardless of quarterback. That is a huge statement because Trevor Lawrence is hands down the best player in college football, the number one pick in the draft. And it's very bold to say that this DJ true freshman can step in and be as productive as Trevor Lawrence. Now, I think I'm going to end up taking Clemson. But, Michael, to all of your points, I agree. This Notre Dame team has this kind of foot-on-your-neck mentality this season that I haven't seen in a while with Brian Kelly teams. The defense is playing really well. Um they're, they've actually been playing really well. And while I'm not as high on Ian Book as you are, he is a very good college football quarterback. He is very serviceable. He is able to get the ball out of his hands quickly. Their run game is improved from last season to this season. I think that Notre Dame keeps it close. Right now on Odd Sharks, um, it's a five-point line with Clemson being the favorite. I... I'm gonna take those points. Like if if that if that gets even down to three, I would take Notre Dame with the points because I like the way that they're gonna be able to hang in with this team. You know, and to your point of not having as many fans in South Bend, I think that actually plays a bit to DJ's advantage compared to Notre Dame's because you know it's a he, while yes he is very talented and is expected to step in next year for for Clemson and keep things going, he's still a true freshman. He's still 18, 19 years old. So you have to keep that in mind and in a weird situation with coronavirus and all that stuff. So give me Clemson, but give me Clemson really close. This might, this game has the potential to be the game of the season to date. Yeah, it definitely could. Agreed. Agreed with that. Um, there's a case where Clemson can lose this game and then come back. And if, if, if Clemson loses this game, this is probably the rematch. Yeah. Agreed. Oh, yeah. I'm all for that, that, if that would happen. happen. Um, Gentlemen, I want you to answer a question for me. Give it to me. Um, Is Travis Etienne still on the team? team? (laughs) That's true. Travis Etienne Jr., the ACC's all-time leading rusher, is on the team. Is he still a Clemson Tiger? Yes. He's still a Clemson Tiger. Um... Okay, I'm taking Clemson. I'll provide a little bit more analysis than that. I mean, I think DJ Uyunglele is showed that he is talented. Um, he's a five star coming in. It's, it's a if Clemson saw what Bama was doing with the Hawaiian quarterbacks. So like I bet, um, uh, and I want to make a joke that Clemson beat a better Notre Dame quarterback last week. Um, that's a joke. That's a joke. Yikes, Michael! I don't know how well you're. It's a joke. Okay. I mean, he's had his struggles. No, 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 I I do like him at at Boston College. I do like Filipovich. It's one of those things where, like, Filipovich. I think his Filipovich 
Filter, Filter Cup's traits, traits translate more to an NFL comp, comp but, but that doesn't mean that he's a better, he's a better quarterback. quarterback. He's definitely right. not a better quarterback right now than Ian Book. Oh, I, no, I, I, no, I agree, I agree. Um, um, I'm going to take Clemson because, because I, I think Clemson, Clemson wins these games. games. Yeah. Like, like, they just they do. Just do. And, and I, 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 I can totally, totally – I, mean, I say this. Notre, Notre Dame, Dame has looked better this year. year. They've looked like, – like, Brian Kelly went off on – not went off. He did a little snarky comment to the media when they were talking about where they were in the place of college football. They like, well, we've lost three games in the last, like, like three years. So, he's got a point, though. He's got a point. Whether you agree with the the independents, whether you agree with just them not playing – well, this year, there's no excuse for that because they are playing a full conference schedule. Um, But whether you agree with that or not, Brian Kelly has a point. They've lost three – what is it, three games in three years? Yeah, that's nothing about. to start. That's nothing to start at. No, they yeah. they have a great program. Regardless of what level you're at, when you lose three games in three years, that is a sign of a talented, well-run program. Yeah. So I don't know what how much y'all think about this um, or read into it, but like it's harder to recruit and and be successful at Notre Dame than it is some other schools. Stanford's like this too. The Grades to get in, even as an athlete, are extremely high. They don't really yeah. take it easy on them. And so that's extremely tough. And no one wants to go to South Bend, Indiana. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, not, not, they're, they're no longer in a geographical uh, They're not yeah. in a good spot, man. They're, they were the team that was on TV in, by themselves for years. And so yeah, they built that. They that, that that's why they're great. That doesn't happen anymore. Everyone's on TV now. It's mm-hmm. like in everyone sees how great these facilities are and how great these places to live are at these other schools. So that makes it all the more tough. But to your point, the fact that they've been this solid over the last three years is, I think, it's incredible. I think. And Brian Kelly, he could be snarky as hell, man, but he gets the job done. And I think yeah, Notre Dame fans I'm, I'm, are happy with him. In my, in my opinion, he has truly like reinvented himself from a four and eight season. Yeah, like, yeah. We always make those jokes, but he he took they stuck with them, and he said like I took time, my I took time and like reinvented myself and how I personalized. They've been so much better since. Yeah. Um, now I I think I think to your point, Michael. Before we move on to our final five wide game, I think to your point of how difficult it is to go up to Indiana and recruiting, and you're not in a conference, so it's like, all right, who am I going to play? You know. Um, I think that's why it's all the more important for Notre Dame to take that next step because right now it looks like this is their ceiling. Until they're able to go out and beat a Clemson and beat an Alabama and beat a Georgia, uh, then they're not going to be able to take that next step up to where they were in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, you know? So I feel like that's why a game like this is so important. Um even if they lose this game, which Tyler and I think will happen, um, the real kind of national prominence game is going to be the ACC championship. They just have to take care of business with everyone else, and they'll see Clemson again. And it's a matter of who's the better coach in terms of being able to apply what you saw before earlier in the season and bring it back. We all know it's much more difficult to to beat a team a second time in the same season. We all know that. It's been co- yeah. it's been happened time and again. So I have faith in Notre Dame to make this a close enough game. I think they're a good enough football team. 
I'm very excited to watch this football game. Um, I don't think I've really – this is me talking myself like, wow, I can't believe I'm this excited because my entire week has just been Florida-Georgia. <laughs> so until our game ends, I don't think I'll be able to give this game the proper mental space that it deserves. But after the Florida game, this is the game to watch 100%. Let's wrap five wide up. we got a few minutes left here in the episode. Washington taking on Cal. It is a 10:30 kick on ESPN. The return, the return, gentlemen, of Pac-12 after dark. We are all happy. Us East Coasters love to see Pac-12 after dark. Uh, Michael, Washington or Cal? Who do you have? Ooh, see, this is a game. I, this is the least informative pick I'll have, but I think Washington's in a weird spot. They've been in a, like a funk for like the last year and a half. Uh, two seasons basically and so i i'm thinking cal i'm gonna go cal tyler what about you um important Important to know that while they have been in a little bit of fun washington's been relatively good the last two three years years. they They have have lost to cal two straight times Mm -hmm. um inexplicably sometimes in my opinion washington is replacing it was is going through a head coaching change we have no clue what washington's offense is going to look like we have, we have no, no clue. clue. We, we, know we know what Washington's defense is going to look like. But we're not sure how good this team is going to be. We just don't know. Like It's easy for me to say, like, because when Chris Peterson was coach, you had to, like, okay, chalk up. Like, they'll look like this. Maybe some slight variations. Maybe the talent depth or how old these guys are so-and-so. Maybe they'll just be 7-5. Maybe they'll be a really good, you know, 11-1 team. But they'll always look like this. And Jimmy Lake... Which we wrote it from defensive coordinator. coordinator. That, that like, they will look similar, but we just, but now, now it's like we don't know. Also, uh, Chase Garbers is still a cow. And I may be the only person in the world who feels this way. Tyler, like, you love that man. Chase Garbers had a hide over here, all right? Like, <laughs> never let me down. Never let, never me let down. you down. No. I, 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 I made this whole argument last year that, was like, that Jace Garbers was last season's most important player in the Pac-12. Because when he went down with injury, Cal lost all their games. You're right. And, and you were right. Back and they looked way better. That's the funny like thing. You were right. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, I don't know what, if anything would have changed, but you didn't even play an Oregon game, which is the most important game. Regardless, I'm taking Cal. So I want to take Cal. I really do because I'm I'm kind of starting to subscribe to your Chase Garbers theory. Like I'm definitely on the fence there with actually going full fledged with your theory, Tyler. But I need to make up ground somewhere, and I think that this Jimmy Lake defense, while it is their first game with him as the head coach, while there are questions on the offensive side of the ball, while Jacob Eason did declare for the draft and did not stay for an extra year, which he a hundred percent should have because he would have been thrown into a conversation. Probably. Um. I think I'm gonna still take Washington. I I don't know. I, I'm 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 afraid that I'm just like, I'm I'm on the train a little longer than I should be. Like all my friends have gotten off, and I'm like, no, I, I think there's one more stop in this train, and then there isn't. And so I'm I'm afraid that's gonna happen to me. But I'm just gonna go with it. I need to make up ground. These are the games. This is the that, least informed. Like not even like. Even if we tried to be informed, this is the least informed about a game that we would be. Guys, I. I looked up. I looked up the game. I looked up. I looked up the game, guys. I I definitely tried to do my homework, and this is the first week of the Pac-12. There's so many question marks. Um, we'll see how it goes. You know. Um, all right. So that was it for five wide for two point conversion. Michael, 
What is your two-point game for this week? Okay, boys. We're going to the Big Ten here. Ooh. Oh, boy. This is a game that I think is just bananas interesting. And it's not even two really good teams. Penn State versus Maryland. Oh, mm. oh that is that is a game. What a game. I love it. Freaking so ESPN's football power index um mm. gives out a percentage of their likelihood to win. Penn State has a ninety seven point one percent chance uh to win this game according to them. And I don't think they do. That's I think Maryland wins. I think they win oh, straight boy. up. Oh boy. You think Maryland went straight up? Yes. Talia Tungavailoa, Heisman moment. He (laughs) was outstanding last week. And it's so weird how good they looked compared to just a week before that, how bad they looked in a 43-3 loss to Northwestern. Um, Yeah. But Penn State, their season's basically done. There's no chance they have any postseason hope, any Big Ten hope, like – Big Ten championship hope or potentially playoff hope, they're 0-2. And I wonder in a year like this how that's really going to just deter their their spirit or whatever, their their motivation to go out and, and play against a you know, Maryland team that can be totally different ends of the spectrum. But I think Tua's little brother uh, figured something out. What's his full name? It's Ta- Talia. 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 Okay, Talia. I, couldn't figure out how to pronounce it. Talia, he he balled, man. He he was so good last weekend. Yeah, I think he played, he played really well. Yeah, I think that's the 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 Talia, whatever his name is. Um, I think that's what we're gonna see for the rest of the year. So I I think Maryland. That's that game's so interesting, and I think Maryland pulls off the uh, upset. Yeah, he he definitely had a great game. Um, for mine, I'm gonna go back to a team that has done me well. They did you well last week, Tyler, but the alleged, the hashtag allegedly Army and I um, decided to put a little play on Northwestern as the underdog last week. Ended up coming through for me, which was fantastic. So I'm going to stick with that team for this week. I like this Northwestern offense. I watched way too much of that game that I like to admit last week. Um, I'm going to take Northwestern at home to beat Nebraska, and I think the college football gods will repay Northwestern and Pat Fitzgerald for making the change of offensive coordinator and they will punish Nebraska for just trying to do a bit they're, they're a little bit like Icarus they're flying a little too close to the sun Nebraska flying a little bit too close all right guys so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the college football mojo here Northwestern over Nebraska Tyler what about you what's your two points? okay, okay. A, lot a lot of great games less on the slate Tons. uh little niche game Pitt at Florida State very interesting mm-hmm. um UCLA at Colorado, Colorado. Colorado. Don't know, don't know what's going to happen, happen in that game. That's, that's like, like is Chip Kelly figuring it out? out? Who, who the heck, the heck was, was the guy that Colorado, Colorado hired? No one knows who he is. Like, like, um, uh, excuse, excuse me, he was the Miami Dolphins no, special no, teams no, assistant no, coach. No, no, he was. No, no, this is a fact, no, Tyler. I'm not lying to you. Don't do this. Don't do what? Give you the facts? You don't want the facts? Is that what you don't want? You're reframing everything in a Miami Dolphins context like you always do. You said no one knew who he was. I'm simply telling you I, your podcast partner and friend, knew who he was. Okay. Sure. Continue. I am debating. There's another really good game. Michigan State at Iowa. Very interesting. That's a good one. The slate is just packed this week. I'm deciding between two games. And... 
I'm working my thoughts out live on air because um, as Tyler is one to do. Whenever, whenever I go last, I always take this like go through every time, Michael. Every single time, this man has to come down to two games and then talk himself through the games without yeah. telling us what the games are. Well, one one is going back to a well that has served me well at two point four, but the other one is embracing the Pac-12. Um. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's tough. Okay, okay. Um, I am going to. I, I just I made a decision. Uh, Washington State and Oregon State. Oh, is a game that it is a, is a game that's happening. Well done. Both Washington State replacing uh, Mike Leach, joining Nick Rolovich from Hawaii, who I think is a good hire given their current situation. Yeah. Um, with offensive staff. Um, their defensive staff comes over primarily from Wyoming. Oregon State had a much better year last year than they've had in years previous. And uh, their head coach, Jonathan Smith, is an Oregon State alum, previous Washington offensive coordinator when they went to the playoff. He's doing really good things there. Jake Luton played out of his mind and will hopefully not play out of his mind this weekend when the Jags play because we're trying to get that tank, that draft. Um, but only one Oregon State quarterback can have a good performance this week, and I picked Tristan Jevia. So I'm going to take Oregon State to beat Washington State at home. That's a good um, pick. Because Jonathan Smith, I think, has got some things going, and Washington State is still trying to figure themselves out. So wait, what um, was what was your other game that you were going to talk about? Oh, West Virginia. My other game was West Virginia beating Texas. It was it was the it was the Texas getting upset. Well, yes. Well, I can see that. That's all, that always serves us well. It was the Texas beating teams that they shouldn't, but losing against teams that they should beat. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not picking that. Oregon State over Washington State. All right, well, good pick, Tyler, for five wide, BYU, Boise State. That is a 945 kick on FS1 Friday night. All three of us at BYU, Arizona State, USC, noon kickoff on Fox. All three of us have Arizona State. Michigan against Indiana, noon kickoff on FS1. Michael and I have Michigan. Tyler has Indiana. Clemson, Notre Dame, 730 ABC, the Herbie Fowler game. Tyler and I have Clemson. Michael has Notre Dame. Washington, Cal, 10.30 kickoff, ESPN. I have Washington, Michael, and Tyler have Cal. And for our two points, Michael has Maryland over Penn State. I have Northwestern over Nebraska. Tyler has Oregon State over Washington State. Gentlemen, we shall see how these results hold up for us. And while we wait for that, we're just going to quickly go through tweets we've shared. Michael, you are in a Twitter group chat with the two of us. What is one of your favorite tweets that we have sent to you this week? So I think I sent it. Earlier this morning, actually, um, uh-huh. it's freaking DK Metcalf, man. <laughs> this dude, I was so this and was the wild. Reason, this was wild. The, this is insane. The reason why I bring it up is because I was so wrong about DK. I was totally <laughs> on that, this. like that three cone drill, man. That, that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be tough to overcome, man. I just don't, I don't see it with DK. How, like. This dude is – he's Megatron. He is the closest thing to Megatron we've seen, and he's I, I wanna, faster. Listen, this has been a conversation on Twitter and stuff this week. I am not going to put him in the category as Megatron, but I will say, like you said, Michael, he is the closest thing yeah. we have seen since Megatron. No one is going to be Megatron. Yeah, exactly. No one's Megatron got double covered in the red zone. Yeah. Like it's not happening. Yeah, um, but he is the closest thing. And this, so I didn't even say exactly what it was. DK ran a, a simple slant in, against San Francisco this past week, and Marcel Harris, who's a Gator, by the way, came in, and he was he came up from a safety spot and read it well and just tried to drill DK 
Ball comes in. It hits him in the chest. He drops it. But it doesn't – and Marcel just lays a boom on him. But Marcel goes flying and DK looked like he didn't even get touched. Just absorbs the hit. It's insane. It's a tree. It's a tree. He's – he is built in a lab, I'm convinced, dude. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. All right. Uh, Tyler, what is your favorite tweet we've shared? All right. This is basically not related to sports at all. But um, this is – I mean, it's by somebody who played football. But um, – Michael, Michael, you sent this to the group. It is a uh, tweet by Richard Johnson. Gator Great. Gator Great. It's a picture of a uh, tweet by another individual. Um, the individual is Martellus Bennett. Yeah. Um, just, I want to put a quick disclaimer. We have some uh, adult themes that are about to come up. <laughs> but he tweeted, I dropped my blunt in the pool today. Don't worry, I still smoked it. Denzel, Denzel isn't the only one who can land a plane in a body of water. water. <laughs> Anyways, as I was rescuing my paper plane from an unfortunate death, I started thinking about how much waste we actually drop in the ocean. And it made me think about how high the fish would get if the waste we dropped in the ocean was in fact only blunts. We, the humans, dump 14 billion pounds of trash in the world's ocean a year. A year? So let's just say that's 14 billion pounds of weed for the hell of it. That doesn't get to the rest of the tweet thread. Richard Johnson says, my guy is cruising altitude 30,000 feet. You're not free to make We have to talk about this for a second. No, this is peak high thoughts. But like, he knew that we dumped 14 billion pounds of trash. Like, I, was that like something that he had been researching? No, that is entirely on the spot. That's entirely on the spot. Him just feeling good and having these just out there thoughts. That that's all just like off, you know, off the cuff. I just, I just love how he associated polluting our oceans, which is bad. Yeah. With what if we just dumped a bunch of weed? and got, got the fish, fish really high. Like, like was, was that, that a solution? solution? Was that a proposal? <laughs> That's just a funny idea. Martellus, <laughs> I need to know, man. Martellus, if you want to clarify your thoughts, sidelinejudgment at gmail.com. Please, let us know. It's going to be insane. Oh, my Lord. No, but it's fantastic. You're just going to see him and Aquaman just hanging out. Oh, my God. Um, Gentlemen, my tweet... Is also by Gator Great Richard Johnson. Oh boy, it's that good. And it is, it's for you guys. I'm, I'm doing it for you guys. Just so you guys are aware that hashtag tanking works. Um, Richard Johnson tweets, I would like to hug the person at Roto World Football who wrote the Minshew update. And here is the Roto World Minshew update. <clears throat> Jaguars coach Doug Marone said Gardner Minshew, thumb injury, won't play in week nine against the Texans. Six-round rookie Jake Lutton will receive the, quote, starter reps in practice and likely get the official nod in place of Minshew by the end of the week. Marone also said that he has, quote, no idea, unquote, how long Minshew will be out and that there's, quote, no guarantee, unquote, Minshew would start again even if he's able to return. It's the second year in a row the coaching staff – this is where it gets fantastic. It's the second year in a row the coaching staff has pinned the blame under center and run from all accountability elsewhere. The team's next nine games will at least lend the organization a developmental look at Lutton, who averaged a pedestrian 7.6 yards per attempt at Oregon State, 
before inevitably selecting a quarterback with a top five selection in the 2021 draft. Just wow. Amazing. Just that that was poetry, gentlemen. By the way, by the way, it is hilarious to me that we're doing the sixth round rookie pack twelve um quarterback train again. I just that was incredible. That was I just thought that would be great for you guys. That was great for me. You better be freaking right. The tanking work. I'm telling you. I'm losing my patience over here. When we beat when we beat the Cardinals on the road this week, Tua starts two and zero, and then we got a four game stretch against winnable teams like the Chargers and the Bengals and two other and the Jets again, and I think the Patriots. And he starts six and zero. I'm telling you guys. My eyes, my eyes will be locked in on the Dolphins, Chargers, and the Dolphins Bengals game. They're a fun team. Just for content reasons. It's all we everything we needed in this world. Yeah. I, I wish the bank did the, well, the are the Bengals playing the Chargers this year because I want a round robin. I really want. Played, right? I don't know. They already played them, but Herbert didn't play. Herbert didn't play. Yeah, that's right. Didn't play, yeah. Oh. And, and the, the Chargers won because the Bengals. Was it was week one. The, the, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, but at least the one good thing about that Arthur Smith is that it is trending, trending that the coaching staff, staff won't be here for make, to make that pick. Hopefully. I won't believe it until you Hopefully. I, I am with you, Michael. Because I, I will say this. The tanking worked, but you do realize we cleaned house and got a new GM, exactly. a new head coach, and all the yeah. faith was put in these guys. Which, like, That's where I don't see it. I, I, yeah, I mean, I at least want a new coach. I mean, I want a new GM. But if like, you tank on the I think, field, I think you there's have a possibility. To tank yeah. If you tank with, with your players, you have to tank with the organization decision makers. Yeah, yeah. Real quick, uh, the Gardner and Jake Luton are one thousand percent sitting at like team meal together, just going, just running over that Paul Rudd uh, meme now. Who would have? Who would have thought? Who would have thought? There were two six-round freaking rookies getting they played each other in college. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, And and here's the. I mean, oh yeah, no. Here's what we should do. We won't do this, but Colleen's entire house, new GM, don't know who he would hire, but new coach. Shot Khan is notoriously, for better or worse, typically worse, really patient with his coaches in his games. Like, typically that's, you should be less patient, but he is really patient. Hire Joe Brady as, as a head coach. Yes. 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 Because, you know, with Jackson, whether he's good or not, he's going to get time. Yes. Like, because Shad Khan doesn't really, I think, doesn't really care how good Jackson is one way or the other, as long as he's making money. Which, you know, you respect that, I guess. But, no. Not really. Yeah, no, I don't know why you're respecting that, Tyler. Get your money, I guess. But No, that's the player's mentality, Tyler. That's what we support the players to get their money. You're right, you're right. Not the owners. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, but it's it's because of that reason. If he hires if he hires a good coach, but like Joe Brady, he's going to need time to develop. He's going to get that time. Yeah, he will. Because the front office and Jackson fans will take any sliver of good news. Well, as let's try and develop that in the next offseason. I've built it as well. Would it? I mean, the Jaguars don't have a long history, obviously, but it would bar none in my opinion, be the most exciting move with a coach the Jags have ever done. And I think, and I think with in a college football educated area, like the South, people are going to see, Oh, Joe Brady, what he did at LSU, blah, blah, blah. Even looking at as the offensive coordinator for the Panthers. They're good. Their offense is solid. This man turned, 
I, this, this man turned Mike Mike, Mike Davis, Davis into a top five fantasy running back, back while McCaffrey is out. Yeah. Like Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater is throwing down the field. This Teddy Bridgewater is throwing down the field. I didn't think he could do that, and that was fine because he was good in all the other areas. And listen, I think I think we got to wrap up this Galaxy Brain Jag segment that we got here. We are out of time, Michael. Thank you so much for coming back on the pod. You know, as always, you are always welcome. Uh, you can listen to Michael on 1010XL in Jacksonville, Florida, 92.5 FM. And uh, as always, this has been another episode of Sideline Judgment. My name is Sergio. My name is Tyler. My name is Michael. I appreciate y'all having me on, man. Of course, man. We are not biased. Every time. But for this week, gentlemen, Georgia sucks. Jordan always to, to hell with them. So, hey guys, guys, why why, why does the uh, Saint Charles River flow north? Michael, I can't remember the end of this. What was this? Wait, I oh wait, I, wait I'm thinking. Oh, I know. It's because Georgia sucks. Oh, ha, ha. <laughs> that was cool. All right, I got it, guys. Nice, nice, cool. Love it. Only hour twelve. That was pretty good. Listen, hey, man, why? Like, tell me why.